Hello and welcome to You Matter. Hello and welcome to session 24 of You Matter, where I am interviewing quite a remarkable young man called Daniel Biggs. Daniel is currently studying his final year for a doctorate at Glasgow Caledonian University and he is studying burnout in physiotherapists in the UK. And this is something that hasn't been done before. If you research burnout and physiotherapists, you won't find that many papers full stop. And the ones that you will find will be from other countries around the world. And I am thrilled, not thrilled that there's a need, but thrilled that um, Daniel and his colleagues are looking at this. It's so important for us to get this kind of baseline data so that we can look at the true picture uh, and then, then start discussions about how to actually address the issues and what we can do about it. So I'm so pleased to talk to Daniel. As I say, I'm so, I was so thrilled to hear that there is a team doing this work. Uh, you will find the discussion really interesting and I guarantee there will be aha moments, light bulb moments, um, things that really make you thoughtful. So sit back, enjoy the episode and I'll be back at the end. Hello and welcome to session 24 of You Matter. And I'm really pleased today to welcome onto this episode Daniel Biggs. Daniel is currently studying his final year uh, for a doctorate in physiotherapy at Glasgow Caledonian University. Daniel also holds a first class BSc honours in strength and conditioning uh, from York St John University and his background comprises a 15 year career so far in fitness, strength and conditioning and physiotherapy, working in professional sport throughout the UK and he also lectures at the University of the of Highlands and Islands Perth. There's some great names there for universities, aren't there? <laughs> so Daniel, welcome. I'm really, really pleased that you agreed to come on to this episode um, to talk to us mainly about a study that you've been involved with or are currently involved with about um, burnout in, in physiotherapy. So first off, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you for your invitation onto the podcast. It's something that I've been looking forward to uh, being a part of. And yeah, hopefully we can talk about the study and burnout and physiotherapy as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely hot topics for a few years now. And um, I was thrilled to see that this study was taking place. I hadn't heard a lot about it, but I suddenly saw some emails um, asking people to come forward as candidates to be involved in the study. And because of the work I do, I've, I've seen lots and lots of studies about burnout and, and related topics, particularly in relation to medics and sometimes nurses, but not an awful lot um, with physiotherapists. So, um, yeah, I'm just interested to know how, yeah. how the study came about. Yeah, um, this is essentially a sort of an extension to my thesis that I'm working on um, part of my doctorate. So I'm spending some time looking around what's occurring in the realms of physiotherapy, uh, be it physiotherapists and or physiotherapy students. Right. And so part of my thesis was to investigate what kind of levels of perfectionism and burnout are occurring in student physios or physiotherapy students. Mm. Um, and I did that for the majority of last year. I found some really good results and it's kind of suggesting the higher the perfectionistic tendencies of the student is leading towards higher levels of burnout right um yeah i think that you can understand if you are wanting to be perfect 
at a certain subject, then you are risking, you are looking at maybe higher levels of burnout because you want to be perfect um, in your results. And so we're finding that actually the levels of perfectionism in physiotherapy students are actually higher than maybe some of the um, other subjects students can be taking. So yeah, there's a sort of element of physiotherapy students that are quite high in perfectionism. Mm. Obviously, we're not going to be a student for very long, maybe three, four years, and then we go out to the world and become physiotherapists. However, that perfectionism is probably going to be still in us. Mm. And now the, we wanted to be perfect at achieving results at university whilst we studied physiotherapy. However, we want to be possibly we want to be perfect at now being a physiotherapist and we're still exposed to burnout. Um, mm. So my first research project was looking at perfectionism and burnout in physiotherapy students. There's now an opportunity to make this into a wider subject. And we're looking at actually, well, what's occurring in physiotherapists across mm. the UK. And so, yeah, we've got a study out at the minute, uh, open to UK-based physiotherapy, sorry, UK-based physiotherapists that are mm -hmm. measuring the levels of perfectionism, the levels of burnout. And we're also incorporating moral injury into this study as well this time. We want to see if uh, moral injury is also playing a factor. What are the levels of moral injury? What are the levels in burnout? And what are the levels in perfectionism across the UK physiotherapists? So, yeah, it's really an extension of my sort of thesis, but we're thinking, well, actually, physiotherapy students showed it to be high. Mm. What about if we go into the industry and look at physiotherapists ourselves? I mean, we know at the, at the minute, NHS are, you know, we're going through a lot of pressures in the NHS and burnout is probably going to be a, a resulting factor into the pressures that are occurring in the NHS. So, yeah, it's a really good time to sort of measure burnout and perfectionism mm -hmm. and moral injury um, because we know physiotherapy students are exposed to this and we're probably thinking this is going to translate over to um, physiotherapy itself. And also we've identified that there's not really much data out there looking at UK-based physiotherapists' levels of burnout. Mm -hmm. There is um, plenty of data worldwide uh, there's studies that are in from japan from poland um saudi arabia that are measuring levels of burnout in physiotherapists in the respective countries it's suggesting that maybe some countries are showing moderate to high levels of burnout but there's not really a study that sort of tried to capture the levels in the uk so mm. you know if we can make a really good go of this and we can get lots of uh, physiotherapist to undertake the survey it's about 10 minute long survey you know, we can really capture uh, what's happening in the UK in, in realms of perfectionism burnout and moral injury so yeah that's mm. how it came how it came about lovely thank you thank you so much for that explanation um let's just take it right back because I'm aware that some people listening may um not be so familiar with the terms um and 
I mean, burnout almost is a, a lay term, isn't it? And uh, you, know, you hear it used not just in professional language, but in conversations, you know, at the school gate and uh, people talking about their jobs out of out of healthcare. Um, so it's almost like there's a there's a lay understanding of what burnout is. But when I've looked at it, um, there have been a number of definitions. I mean, I became familiar with the sort of three criteria uh, that the World Health Organization first ascribed mm. to it, um, to do with emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, yes. decreased Absolutely. efficacy. Mm. Um, with burnout specifically, in your studies, are you working with that definition of burnout or something else? Yeah, absolutely. What a word it is, burnout. You know, as soon as you hear it, you've kind of got an idea mm. what it's describing. Um, and I think it is used in various different media platforms to describe um, what people, I think, when I've, you know, done some personal research on what burnout is, I think most people tend to think about physical fatigue. Right. Quite synonymous to physical fatigue, burnout. However, like you were mentioning, there is like a, a bigger, broader, complex definition to burnout. So it's not just physical fatigue. Absolutely, it is part of it, but it's mm. not just it. There is exhaustion to it, which is the physical fatigue, but there's also um, mental, emotional fatigue that also should be part of that dimension of exhaustion. We should look at it from an like exhaustion perspective. Um, and it, that, that way we can see it falls under the physical, emotional, mental exhaustion. And you also mentioned about depersonalization and absolutely, yeah, we're using that um, as part of our study. So depersonalization or you know, cynicism, um, care towards your work or study has decreased and you are taking a more cynical view of possible outcomes um, mm. So, yeah, there's also that realm of burnout that should also mm. be considered. And then there's a third dimension as well. So the reduced sense of accomplishment and typically, you know, the feelings of competence, uh, successful achievement in, in your work is reduced. What you were feeling was successful um, when maybe when you entered uh, or maybe at a midpoint of your career now feels heavy going and isn't achieving what you used to feel and you're thinking well actually maybe burnout is a bit deeper we've got these three dimensions that we're looking at and even though we may be thinking burnout physical fatigue i'm not tired but i, I just don't value what i'm doing anymore you think well mm -hmm. is that burnout well yeah because it meets one of the three and so you might not be physically fatigued but you might have a reduced sense of accomplishment towards your work or you know study or whatever it is that you're um, working towards and so yeah we're using the definition uh, that encompasses these three dimensions like an exhaustion a depersonalization and a reduced sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and yeah, you can obviously you can score high in one and low in the other um, depending on your role and how long you've been working in that role for of course um, but also you can score high in all three or low in all three hopefully you do score low in all three that would be fantastic you know and we, we don't have levels of burnout but yeah yeah when it, when yeah, i've looked at the literature i've seen generally is you know high in all three so they do kind of they do correlate with each other yeah yeah 
Yeah, and I'm kind of um, surprised, stroke, shocked to learn that, you know, you so far your study has been with students and, you know, maybe you could look at it and understand a, a level of mental exhaustion. You know, a physiotherapy degree is no mean feat and um, mm -hmm. you could understand that. And, um, and, and perhaps the the decreased sense of efficacy a little um you know if you sort of went into your degree um thinking that it would be something and you're not quite achieving the results that you thought you would on placement or things like that but it's yeah. it's kind of shocking to hear that you know cynicism particularly might be um starting to show itself as early as student days that's yeah concerning isn't it so you know maybe we can think about the typical student they're going to university for the first time you know mm -hmm. this is their first year and hopefully they have ambition and they think you know at the end of the degree i'm going to come out i'm going to be a physiotherapist mm -hmm. however yeah if burnout can manifest within the student and you're more looking and thinking well actually what i thought but uh, what i thought physiotherapy is i've done a couple of placements and this is not what i thought it was i thought it was uh, you know, uh, maybe they've seen quite a sport-orientated mm. physiotherapy role and they thought that maybe they're going to be working with athletes the whole time. But actually, you know, I think it's 80% of physiotherapists are NHS-based. And yeah. actually then, therefore, the placements are going to be more NHS-based. And you're working your way through many different placements and these placements can take forms of multiple realms. It can be orthopedics, it could be pediatrics it could be uh, you know working with patients uh, have suffered stroke or maybe even patients with learning disabilities and you know in order to go into a placement and there's a variety of different placements you have to be adaptable you know you have to reflect on your placement and think about where you want to go can I adapt to these different environments that I'm working in maybe I'm only here for four to six weeks but these four to six weeks are challenging and this, I thought I was going to be working in sport for the majority of it I wanted to work with athletes but now actually I've got to do maybe a thousand hours are more sort of um, not aligned with your goals and you're thinking mm -hmm. well actually do I have second thoughts about this and the cynicism creeps in and you're thinking well maybe this isn't for me um, so yeah it's, uh, it's certainly there maybe we don't talk about it as much as we should but yeah burnout in physiotherapy students you know i measured it i'm working for a publication towards the um the project so hopefully you know i can show that as a publication form uh, in the near future but it is it is there and we you know ideally we don't we don't want it there because if we can have the student come through and really grab physiotherapy studying by the horns and you're thinking okay this is for me and when the person then enters physiotherapy you know they're fresh and raring to go and you know the, mm. the patients can benefit from this passion however you know maybe i'm talking ideal world here and yeah there's more things to consider but yeah it's certainly it is certainly there and we got to try and find various ways on how we can maybe find strategies to cope or prevent or treat it absolutely mm, yeah and, and let's let's absolutely make sure we we come back to that sort of you know what do we do about it topic um i'm intrigued though did you did you start to did you come up with the idea to um 
conduct this thesis because you were seeing evidence of what you thought was burnout amongst your student colleagues or feeling within yourself? Was there anything personal about it? Um, so for my undergraduate dissertation, I was looking at perfectionism and exercise dependence and how this yeah. was uh, linked to each other, but also there was this motivation element uh, within the association between the two variables. So uh, in my yeah my third year undergraduate dissertation, I was exploring perfection or investigating perfectionism uh, with a mediating effect of motivation that then leads to exercise dependence. So I'm thinking, well, again, the higher you are in these perfectionistic tendencies, yeah. if this is then mediated by maybe a coach uh, or a significant peer, that's saying, actually, no, you're not going to exercise today. And it's taking a really sort of negative, thwarting your needs role in coaching the athlete and saying, no, 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 you're not very good. I don't think you should be um, training today. This is thwarting the athlete's needs. It might be a, um, a motivational tactic, but if, however it occurs and the athlete feels like the needs are thwarted but the person has this high perfectionistic tendencies these tendencies are like hey no i need to be perfect i need to be i'm motivated to achieve a high a very high standard this is then leading towards exercise dependence or you know synonymously exercise addiction so if i'm yeah. thwarting the person's needs and saying no 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 no, you're not exercising today however the person's high in perfectionism this is then showing a pathway that leads to exercise dependence. And I was really lucky in order to work with my dissertation, I managed to lead it onto a publication and that's, that's out there if people want to check it out. But what's come from that is I'm thinking, well, when I was researching perfectionism, when I was researching exercise dependence, not only did I see exercise dependence was linked to perfectionism, but also I saw burnout was also linked to perfectionism. I'm thinking, mm. well, to be addicted to exercise, to be susceptible to burnout due to uh, the association of perfectionistic tendencies. I'm thinking, well, okay, there's something not, not, right, not quite right going on here. So then uh, naturally my inquisitive mind explored the role of perfectionism and burnout. Yeah. And I could see perfectionism and burnout. There's quite a big link in the literature in sport. Uh, there's quite a lot of evidence that shows perfection and burnout in athletes. There is an association there. So I was thinking, well, if this relationship is occurring in sport, why can't it be occurring in other realms of life? And I was undertaking my thesis at the height of COVID. We were, it was the pandemic. It was lockdown. Mm -hmm. the, the opportunities to go out and do research were limited in a sense. <laughs> You know, I, I couldn't really go out in the field with my tape measure and start measuring stuff right. because, you know, we, we, we were, you know, it was locked down and we were locked in. However, there was an opportunity to use computers and, you know, try and maybe do some research via the internet. And the great thing about measuring perfectionism, burnout, exercise dependence, you know, there, there, there's psychology realms and we can do that via an online survey. Mm. And so, you know, it was a little bit influenced due to the pandemic, due to lockdown, that I was able to then craft a project that was looking at perfectionism and burnout in physiotherapists or physiotherapy students at the time. 
so yeah it came about from previous research that i had done i guess it was shaped by the pandemic um and here we are exploring these realms ever since mm. yeah and it's it's interesting it's almost it seems to me um taken as read that uh, there is this perfectionist tendency amongst not just physiotherapists um you know i know it's talked about a lot in relation to um medicine as well um and you alluded to it earlier in our conversation that the the perfectionist part of us wants to be perfect so that we're beyond criticism you know create this this perfect scenario or get all the the perfectionist wants to um get all the criticisms in place and correct for everything before mm -hmm. anybody else mm -hmm. gets a chance to to criticize doesn't it um but i'm just wondering you know why is it that um physiotherapy is particularly appealing for some reason to that perfectionist mind um has the study presumably your study has involved um a series of interview questions um mm -hmm. has it thrown yeah. up any further yeah. insight into why such strong association between physiotherapy mm. and perfectionism absolutely i think it's a great question it's something that we've tried to capture and are still trying to capture um, and there are quite a few different models out there that measure perfectionism. Right. Um, we are, we're using the Hewitt and Follett's uh, model for the study. Um, I think it's, it, it does a really good job. It sort of describes perfectionism as three dimensions. So Could you just say the name of the model again, Daniel? I didn't quite catch it. Sorry, it's Hewitt and Follett's multi-dimensional multi perfectionism scale uh, model. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, and then that will then hopefully then lead into you know what's occurring in physiotherapy. So, yeah, three dimensions. Firstly, is the socially prescribed perfectionism. This dimension suggests perfection needs to be achieved to meet acceptable standards from significant societal colleagues. So maybe the coaches, maybe it's your your boss at work, or even your parents. Mm. And so you're trying to capture absolute flawlessness so the, your boss your coach your parent can't say negative things because you have achieved absolute flawlessness it's only going to achieve praise and you're thinking mm -hmm. well people who i see as significant in society aren't saying bad things about my performance and you know this is the socially prescribed perfectionism we want to achieve perfectionism in order to meet an acceptable standard from a, a significant society colleague yeah so that's the first round I, I think that might be contributing to the physiotherapy but we'll explore the other ones and we'll come back to it as well the um <clears throat> the other sort of side of perfectionism that's quite well prevalent that's occurring is self-orientated perfectionism and this is a dimension that suggests perfectionism is natural, is innate, and is an impulse for absolute flawlessness. Okay, mm. so it's just within the person. We want to be perfect. We are setting exceedingly or remarkably high standards for ourselves. Okay, so for oneself, we want to be perfect. We want to set personal standards and goals uh, exceedingly high. And this is just within the person. We are ambitious. We want to achieve these ambitions and we want to be perfect at um, what it is that we've set out to achieve. So we can see now from two aspects, there is an external aspect from maybe mom and dad or you know, a guardian or a coach, 
but then there's also this realm of perfectionism from the self. I want to be perfect at this. This is something I am passionate about. I, I am very ambitious. I want to achieve it, but I want to achieve it with perfection. And so mm. my exceedingly high standards and goals are pushing me on to this. Um, and these are the two sort of dimensions that are very popular in the literature in how to measure perfection. It's either from the self or from an external um, perspective. Mm. However, the Hewitt and Flex model also do a third dimension. I, I'm quite a fan of this one as well. So we can see the previous two dimensions are about the person, about yeah. the athlete, about the physiotherapist. Absolutely. However, there's this final dimension what's called other-orientated perfectionism. And this is the person wanting absolute flawlessness from colleagues, from friends, from families. So I actually thinking, I am very ambitious. I am achieving a lot of things. Why aren't you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm hypercritical of others when failure occurs. And I, I want the person on my team, whether it's in the department or, you know, on the sports team to also be amazing. I want you to be amazing. I, I you know, I'm high in self-orientated perfectionism or I'm high in socially prescribed perfectionism naturally. Why aren't you? I want you to achieve just as much as what I'm achieving, because if we can achieve as a team or, you know, as a two, we can achieve a lot more. And so mm. other orientated perfectionism is looking at absolute flawlessness or being hypercritical of others so and all of that makes so much sense doesn't it i mean i'm (laughs) sure there isn't a physiotherapist definitely me included sitting here thinking yes i can totally relate to how great it felt to get praise for achievement from parents teachers sports coaches whoever and and you know i i enjoyed it so much that i would push myself harder to do it there's this internal drive that you describe and you know, innate maybe yeah. literally mm-hmm. some people born with a stronger drive to achieve that perfectionism and i yeah i hadn't considered that third one but goodness if that is the case and we're in a profession where you know we're it's almost coming through in our personality our social conditioning and then we're in a profession where possibly there's a tendency to drive each other even harder into that mm-hmm. perfectionist mm-hmm. model yeah and how yeah. cruel that we go into a profession where perfection is almost impossible. Or well, obviously it's yes. impossible in any sphere, but you choose mm-hmm. a profession where the predictability of success is very low because of the variability in humans and patient responses. Yes. Um, we are in a high pressure environment. Uh, you know, we, we feel that there is a responsibility to look after patients. Um, you know, maybe patients suffered a acute stroke and through maybe a series of weeks of rehabilitation, we're trying to work with the patient in order to stand up, uh, maybe mm. move the thumb, even just move the thumbs. Mm. And, you know, we've got that sort of responsibility, or maybe we feel that we have that responsibility uh, or that patient has that expectation that our work is going to lead onto, you know, maybe either getting back to a baseline or pushing on from a baseline. And, you know, it's a high pressure environment and I think perfectionism really manifests in that environment. So, mm. yeah, we're certainly exposed to it um, due to the nature of the work. How can we best sort of keep on top of it? You know, hopefully we can explore this a little bit later on as well. Um, as well, it does kind of link to burnout as well. Mm. But yeah, 
yeah that's, that's yeah and I'm really I'll be really interested to follow well your your and your colleagues path with this Daniel because um I have this little armchair theory that there's a there's almost a graph of um uh feelings of satisfaction or or confidence levels in physios um I mean understandably low points when you're a student and you feel that you don't know everything um it seems from my experience of conversations with colleagues and through coaching physios that there's then a little bit of a high you know you you do start mm, to see some yeah. successes and you feel mm-hmm, the benefit mm-hmm. of that and that feeds your you know you're probably your perfectionist and your pleaser and all the other archetypes we could we could name um then perhaps a little bit of cynicism because not everybody responds in the same way and yes, oh goodness I learned yes. this thing and now I'm getting uh-huh. that challenged maybe then rises and falls depending on what courses you do places that you work colleagues you learn from um yeah, perhaps yeah. dips with having a family and things like that but I I'll be really interested you know I, I'm really intrigued to hear that you're studying further into the profession and it'll be interesting in future years to see if there is a kind of pattern to all this i think you know we, we've collected data so far in the study uh, we, we we want to keep the study growing you know more uk-based physiotherapists can take part into the study however early results are suggesting that perfectionism is a well and truly in the profession, the people have already, you know, the, the early results are suggesting perfectionism is high. Uh, what we've looked at, burnout is high, and moral injury is also showing to be quite high. These are the early results. I'm not going to say that, you know, this is what definitely is occurring, but, you know, when we've just done some early analysis on this, it is certainly suggesting all three are looking to be quite high. Um, we just we've managed... up on moral yeah, injury. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Daniel. Of course, yeah. Um, so we haven't spoken specifically about moral injury and before we came on air you and I both admitted that that was probably the term we were least familiar with even though it is starting to be used perhaps a little bit more recently than the other two yeah it's it's a topic that is growing Hmm. Um, you know perfectionism has 30 years of evidence on it moral injury is you know is quite limited at the minute so we're using moral injury from a stance where the individual's morals, conscience and values have suffered a so-called injury from perhaps a trauma or an injustice that leaves the person second guessing the fundamentals that they once knew so well. So they're second guessing these fundamental, these values and these symptoms are portrayed through a series of um different dimensions to like betrayal guilt shame moral concerns you know a loss of meaning difficulty forgiving you know there's quite a few ways uh, quite a few symptoms that are sort of manifesting that creates moral injury but it is a growing topic and we thought well actually we're looking at perfectionism burnout it does kind of lend itself to incorporate moral injury it's a growing topic um values and you know morals are well grounded in a, in a physiotherapist you know we have mm-hmm. you know we've spent hopefully we've spent time looking what our values are as a physiotherapist what our morals are you know as this leads to the decision you know your clinical reasoning in, in decisions of of what it is that the course of treatment you've decided for the patient mm-hmm. and if a injury occurs or a so-called moral injury occurs and through a trauma and injustice, your once grounded values 
have now left yourself second guessing and as we saw this may lead to the depersonalization the cynicism or the reduced sense of accomplishment realms of burnouts and we're thinking well you can so see why in these times mm. can't you when you know, people are working through covid and um conditions have been really really challenging perhaps there isn't the facility or the equipment that you need you don't have the time available and as you say that's that's such a challenge if you if you're somebody that went in to physiotherapy with very clear ideas of what you mm -hmm. want to do for people um and then repeatedly through um circumstances way beyond your control you're prevented from doing that you can completely understand that this this is almost injury to your personal value as you say yeah yeah absolutely these are the values that you once held and you know they, they were values that you once held for quite a while mm. maybe even through childhood you know they've been crafted and through studying and research and you think actually oh, that does align with my values in life you know i am very much a person that wants to help people or you know rehabilitation whether it is a physical or a mental perspective is something that i really value in my life mm. but then maybe it's through different policies and procedures or parameters that now you are working within that have made you then question well actually is there scope for this is my value something that i need to reconsider uh, because of an injustice or a trauma that may have occurred and that's then suggesting moral injury might be higher in the person and that, that you know may lead to re-evaluating where you are in the professional life and maybe adopting new values and where do these new values lead you uh, in your career or personal life you know so it's, it's definitely prevalent in there as well and just more research needs to be done around moral injury it's, mm. it's something that can grow and you know we've talked about it and there's betrayal there's guilt there's shame you know it lends itself quite nicely to just more research so you know if uh, a budding student or researcher is thinking what could i do what can i look out for my dissertation well yeah I maybe have a think about what's occurring in moral injury and is that something that you could consider for a research project? Because it probably will be quite well received in terms of um, scope of root and room of exploring uh, moral injury in. I mean, like, right, obviously, this project is looking at physiotherapists. Maybe there's something that you're working on that would lend it quite nicely to moral injury in um, a sports science role or maybe occupational therapy or something like that. Okay. So... Daniel, this feels like a little bit of an unfair question because you um, you are one of the first people, you and the people you're working with are one of the first to actually, as you say, produce data um, and show the the picture of where we're at in the UK. In other countries. But um so you know, it really does feel that we're at stage one of let's look at what the situation is. But do you and the people you're working with have hopes as to where this research what it might support i can just imagine some people listening in and going well you know this all sounds pretty depressing um but this is the situation we're in now that we know about it so what now we just know how bad it is um do right, you exactly yeah yeah so what so we're talking about it fancy lovely but can we actually get pen on paper and do something about it mm. yeah absolutely um but there are a number of frameworks that have shown to try and tackle burnouts that's tried to maybe think, well, perfectionism is 
good because it pushes us on to achieving a very high standard, but at what sacrifice? And maybe it is bad. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in that case. And yeah, you know, maybe I'm just sort of researching it and we publish it, but when what happens after that? So there's definitely scope and there should be scope to then try and see what well, burnout levels are high in physiotherapists. Let's try and do something about it. Mm. There's research out there that suggests on how, how we could do this, like the treatments or, um, you know, sort of the sort of framework that we can use in order to try and reduce the levels of burnout. And um, yeah, hopefully I can try and do this justice and talk to maybe uh, people, the listeners here, and you know, the suggested routes on how to decrease burnout. I, pre- I say it's unfair because I appreciate, you know, you're, there's a lot of work in just creating the data at the moment. But mm-hmm. yes, if you could give any flavor of, you know, what the um, the light at the end of the tunnel might be in terms mm. of things we might be able to do about it. Absolutely. It's not looked at physiotherapists. There's you know, mm-hmm. very limited data, very limited research around burnout being reduced in physiotherapists. But there is research around, you know, different industries and how we can reduce levels of burnout in nursing or maybe it is in business or medicine absolutely there's there's data around that and maybe we can adopt that sort of perspective on how how it's being done elsewhere and then Mm. translates over to physiotherapy Uh, obviously yeah we need research behind it in order to say this is what this is working in physiotherapy but as you know we're one of the first to try and look at it we need to pull in some data. We need to pull in some research from somewhere in order to then have a framework in, in what to do for physiotherapy. So one of the most successful that I really like is the rotational of duties. So if we can think about not going to work and we're going to be doing the same thing over and over again, and we think of actually there's a different kind of rotations within physiotherapy. We know that because, you know, you, Typically, NHS, you do maybe two years of rotations, and my placements are kind of on a rotation. I, I do orthopedics, I maybe work in stroke, I might work in learning and disability. And so, if we can maybe get some rotation in our job, this mm. can alleviate the levels of burnout. Some variety. Mm. Um, so, one sort of nice framework, nice example that I'm pitching to maybe the team leaders that are listening, or maybe the passionate physiotherapists that want to then grow this is try to create this framework that's looking at rotation. So I'm just going to give a couple of examples of maybe a rebound therapy or a hydrotherapy. We could use this within patients. Obviously, I'm not saying definitely rebound. It has to be hydrotherapy, but just for example purposes. And you know, maybe we organize a small project within the physiotherapy department. And on a Monday, one physio A would do rebound therapy on a Friday physio B would do hydrotherapy and for maybe it is for a six or eight week block physiotherapy A physiotherapist A is in charge of rebound therapy and physiotherapist B is in charge of hydrotherapy and you know they they work with the patients uh, within these realms Mm. at the end of the eight weeks physiotherapy C comes into rebound therapy and physiotherapy C is now working for six to eight weeks in rebound therapy. Physiotherapy A has moved over to hydrotherapy for six to eight weeks. 
and physiotherapy B has gone back to just normal, typical workings within physiotherapy. And it's mm-hmm. that rotation around um, different responsibilities and different opportunities to work has that sort of alleviating effect of burnout, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And uh, I'm just, I mean, I, I work in um, uh, uh, the private sector and have done for a while. And, you know, my initial thought is, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of MSK um, physios working in clinics and they don't have the opportunity so mm, much. Mm, mm. I'm just mindful. A lot of people will have seen um, uh, tweets and posts from Jack Chu this week about uh, what he calls the Timperley Trundle. So it's... Um, okay. uh, a project that he and the people that work at his clinic initiated for local people and it's it's a walk with some yeah. uh, exercise prescription and some um, functional um, capacity measures built in and he's done this lovely video and it, um, there's lots of very very happy customers but I've spoken to Jack about this personally and he was telling me how you know his physiotherapists are fighting to be the one that does the Timperley Trundle that week mm. and it makes total mm. sense because it's a it's it's clearly an environment where um, you're making people very happy and you're seeing results. And at the end yep. of the day, yep. that is the sort of antithesis to that moral injury side, isn't it? You know, that totally feeds the values that most of us yeah, went into. Absolutely, absolutely. And maybe, you know, for the walk, it, it lends itself. Maybe it's not rebound therapy. Maybe it's not hydrotherapy because maybe they don't lend themselves over to the private sector as much, or maybe, you know, yeah, it, it can manifest in sport, but it is the sort of grasp on responsibilities that are then rotated around. So like you're yes. saying, people wanted to do the walk. Well, give the, give physio A the walk for six weeks because mm-hmm. physiother- physiotherapist B knows that, the, that at the end of the six weeks, it's their responsibility and, you yeah. know, they can shape and mould the walk into um, whatever they want to, obviously, within the realm, you know, within certain parameters, of course. But, you know, they, they can put their stamp on that walk. And, you know, therefore, this is shown to really alleviate burnout levels because you've got some rotational duties, but also you've got maybe an opportunity to put your stamp on something. Yes, maybe it is just for six to eight weeks, yeah. Yeah, no, completely. And I think that's, I think it's a really important point, not for everybody, but, you know, I really see the value in in giving people, like you say, a chance to put the stamp on something, maybe a chance to improve something, but it not to be their responsibility for ever and a day. Mm, exactly. Um, feel that, that's that joy of a little win. Um, yes. Success. yes. Um, and then and- also when you're off your responsibility, so you've done six weeks of the walk or hydrotherapy, you know, we then should be promoting the opportunity to reflect on the, you know, for the, the physiotherapist to reflect on how did the six day week go. You don't have to sit down and use uh, a reflective cycle or an reflective model or anything, but just sort of processing mm-hmm. things about what went well and, you know, what could be um, different next time around. And, you know, you maybe you've got physiotherapy B doing the walk and physiotherapy C, physiotherapist C is up next. So it might be 12 weeks until you get the walk again. But within that 12 week period, maybe, you know, you've you've seen something online or, you know, you, you've had a, a light bulb moment when you think actually when it comes back round to my turn to do the walk, maybe I should incorporate that as well. Yeah. And that, that way you're then looking forward to then thinking, oh, okay. I'm going to incorporate this because it makes sense of what I've seen. I want to know how it, how it works. It's obviously going to be safe 
and I want to put my stamp on it. And, you know, you've got a chance to reflect within that 12-week period until it comes around to your turn again. You're thinking, well, it went well last time, but I want to do it differently. And then, you know, at the end of that six-week block, you're thinking, well, it went even better than the first-week block because I've had a chance to reflect and, you know, change a few things. And, yeah, there's opportunity for personal and professional growth within that. Yeah, it's building. Is there anything in any of the frameworks you found um, that might address the the physical and mental exhaustion? Because again, I can almost hear people listening in and going, "Yeah, but there is just always too much work to do." Um, mm, until that's I think, me. I think how, when you think burnout, how it can alleviate burnout, I think holiday jump jumps out at you. Yeah. And you just 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 go somewhere that's sunny. You can sit on the beach or just take a rest. Absolutely, yeah. And, if you can do that, absolutely would encourage that as well. But reflection is really important. Just think about what it is that's occurring. Why do you feel like this? And, you know, take some time to maybe do some reflective um, practice. There is quite a lot of research. Again, it's not necessarily in the realms of physiotherapy, but it does lend itself over from uh, quite a few different realms we're trying to relieve burnout through cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. That's quite a very popular way and has shown to be successful in order to relieve burnout levels. And it's also shown also for perfectionism as well. So if you're trying mm. to reduce some of your perfectionistic tendencies, um, CBT also can lend itself to, to perfectionism and burnout, which is fantastic, really. To try and reset that mm. internal narrative. There's, there's an interesting point, actually. Um, I interviewed many episodes ago um, Dr. Pecci, who's a, an expert on um, trauma, and we talked about, we touched on that a little bit when we were talking about moral injury. Um, and she's actually made some interesting recommendations um, in certain instances where there may be a fairly significant um, traumatic response. So, you know, unfortunately, people in medical careers will uh, encounter incidents that will significantly mm. affect yes. them psychologically yes. and they're finding actually specifically in that incident cbt and talking therapies are perhaps less advocated and there's this thought that um talking therapies possibly drive the the trauma response deeper um okay, okay. So she's definitely not saying not cbt for for these for an awful lot of the things we're talking mm. about I was just interested that specifically in a in a trauma sense, um, CBT mm. possibly is less advocated. Uh, I think they're actually okay. looking at yeah, yeah. And you know, my my realm is physiotherapy, uh, and if, uh, if psychology is saying, well, not in this instance, then yeah, we yeah. absolutely we should listen to that. But you know, from a research perspective, and how we measure, you know, baseline one compared to baseline two, the the, the evidence suggests that cognitive cognitive behavior therapy can reduce burnout and perfectionism however what the specifics are to this mm. yeah we should absolutely take into consideration before we go ahead and um, apply it but yeah, yeah from a research perspective it's encouraged but maybe we need to then think about what the specifics are and actually maybe it's not right at that right time in every circumstance i completely can see the value of it in relation to perfectionism and situations where this this kind of um general trend general identity trend and uh and even the bit you were saying about you know resetting values to an extent that's that 
ties in with resetting that internal narrative, doesn't it? The things that mm-hmm. are going around in your head and um, you know, you're telling yourself that you're um, not being true to your values. And I was yeah intrigued to hear you say, maybe there's some work to do on shifting those values. And I'm sure you yeah. weren't meaning, you know, suddenly don't have a value of wanting to help oh, people, no. but shifting the the value set slightly that it values becomes. can change. Yeah, values mm. can change. Um, you know, but they're always or they should be true to you. Um, don't change them for the sake of changing them. But through life experience, they may mm. gravitate a certain direction that you didn't see coming 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Gosh, Daniel, talking to you, I, wow. I keep forgetting you're a student. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the way you talk about the profession and the insights you have, um, you know, are way beyond certainly what I would have had at student level. And I think it's um, it's hugely valuable to the profession as a whole, what you're doing. But I'm really, really pleased that you have started at student level because yeah. a lot of people talk about these issues and there's a lot of debate about where to start. Um, and there is no right answer, but logic would suggest that, you know, if if you're finding that some of these issues are starting to embed themselves at student level, or maybe even have the potential before you enter college because of the type of person who's likely to apply, and even looking back at screening for who comes in to do these degrees, I, I think it's, it's such valuable work that you've done, and mm-hmm. anything coming from this is going to be hugely valuable. So, I, for one, am very grateful for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I actually feel quite privileged to be able to sort of work in this, um, well, one, work in physiotherapy um, and two, work in maybe academia and uh, looking at whether it's lecturing or research and uh, and maybe then specifically looking at perfectionism, burnout, moral injury, because, you know, even just from a personal perspective, I find it interesting uh, so not only can I help the profession grow, um, the research around it grow, but also I'm learning myself with what I'm finding out and being able to, um, you know, develop new educational resources and purposes that we can then put in practice and that's benefiting the wider um, industry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I feel privileged to be able to, well, one, come on the podcast and to work in this um, realm of physiotherapy. Well, absolute pleasure from the podcast point of view. So I just want to finish up um, with a couple of invitations for people listening. Um, the first is if any of the stuff that Daniel and I have talked about has touched you, has rung mm-hmm. bells, has made you thoughtful, particularly if you feel that you're experiencing any of these things yourself, please do seek support, um, maybe initially with your um, uh, colleagues and leads at work. But if you need signposting to anything, um, or specialist than that, um, then if you if you can't find the right signpost where you are, then you know, by all means get in touch with me, um, and let's make sure that this this kind of stuff is raised and talked about, um, and that we're more we're more familiar with spotting it in ourselves and in our colleagues, and we're more used to knowing at least the first stages of what to do um, for ourselves and others. Um, And the second invitation is if you would like to be involved in Daniel's study, then please do get in touch. Um, I know Daniel and his team are uh, taking candidates for the study until the end of the month. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, please. By all means, if you are UK based, UK based physiotherapist, you, you, you would be eligible 
to do the survey. And the survey is about 10 minutes long. It's just looking at your your answers of your thoughts towards perfectionism. You know, there's a question on a few questions looking at your burnout levels and then how you feel about moral injury. And so, yeah, it takes about 10 minutes to complete. You just press the submit button and, and that's it. It's just a one-time questionnaire. You know, if you want to... But I've gone. Um, is opportunity to maybe do some interviews afterwards. If you if you submit your email address, we could talk to you as a interview. It's not guaranteed, but you know we're looking to try and do some interviews after that. Mm-hmm. But if if you're not if you don't fancy that and you just you know want to contribute to what we're trying to find out here, it is just one questionnaire, once a submit button, and that's it. Perfect. Am I right in thinking you have to be an NHS-based physiotherapist? No, no, no. We're, we're, oh. We've tried to open it out to um, physiotherapy as broad as we can. So if it is sport-based or private-based, uh, you're more than welcome. And obviously, yeah, 80%, as I said, is, is kind of NHS. So it is sort of, um, there is a small bias, obviously, because there's 80% mm. uh, of NHS physiotherapy. So that doesn't mean you have to be. If you are working privately or in sports or elsewhere, um, please get involved as well. Okay, great. Um, And we'll put the link to the study with the notes for this episode. But if people just want to Google it, how would they find the um, place to get involved in the study online? Um, Yeah, I've also got my my Twitter uh, handle as well. So physiotherapy R7. And, you know, I've got my link on there so please if you want to have a look through twitter find me on on my handle there and i'm also have some communication with joe so maybe look at joe's twitter first and find physiotherapy r7 and then click onto my handle and yeah you'll see my link on that as well so you can do it that way or yeah contact directly and i can send the link through Great. Well, I, yes, you're right, um, Daniel. There's definitely lots of things on my threads on LinkedIn and Twitter. And um, I really hope to be involved in the study and, and hopefully stay in touch with you and the team and really so. see where it goes. I can't wait to, you know, release what we found and, you know, see see what we can do from, from there. So it's been really good and I'm really excited about what can come from it as well. Lovely. Thank you so That's much great. for being here today and for the work you're doing, Daniel. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Daniel. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gave you food for thought, um, perhaps in relation to your own personal situation, perhaps in relation to colleagues and your the organisation that you work at. This really feels like just the start of an important conversation, like Daniel and I said, gathering the data, gathering the baselines, and then really sitting down and asking ourselves how we can improve things, how we can change things. Please do get involved with the study. Um, We're deliberately sending this episode out early so that you've got a chance to get involved before they close the doors um, for submissions to the study before the end of February. So please do follow the link attached to this episode and, and get involved. The more data we have from a greater variety of physiotherapists working in different environments, the better. And as I said at the end, if any of the topics um, touched you or made you thoughtful about um, any feelings you're having, or perhaps if you're concerned about colleagues, please do 
talk about it, do raise it in your departments, uh, in your organisations, or by all means drop me a personal note, uh, personal email, joe at mehab.co.uk if you would like some support and possibly some signposting. All right, that's all for now. End of session 24, and I will see you next month for session 25. Take care. Oh, gosh, I almost forgot. Take care, yes, but in a very specific way, because remember, if you are someone working in physiotherapy or another healthcare profession, looking out for people all day, every day in most spheres of your life, particularly if this got to a point where there are any shadows or echoes of anything like burnout, then please do stop, breathe, and crucially, talk to someone about it because you matter. Mm -hmm.